Team Talk, Episode 12, Men Holdfast. Hello, hello, hello. Well, I hope that you're doing well. Wade here. I am on my own, flying solo today. Tara doesn't want to be a part of this. She doesn't want to co-sign anything I have to say in this episode, which is fine. Um, This is an episode just for men. No, I'm joking. Ladies, if you're listening, that's great. Um, I don't know what ladies listen to our podcast. I know uh, maybe two, three. I don't know. Is podcasting mostly for men? I'm not going to lie. I've looked through some of the more popular women's podcasts. I'm not trying to hate. I'm not trying to be uh, a hater towards women right now. And it's probably because I'm a guy speaking, but it seems like the men's podcasts are more interesting. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. That's fine. Um, I'm going to stop saying offensive things. I'm going to get on to other offensive things. Uh, Yeah, so what I really want to do is give you a glimpse into a particular ministry that our church has had over the course of the last um, (laughs) maybe six months. How long have we been in lockdown forever? Uh, yeah, let's say it's six months, six months. It's called Men Hold Fast or The Men Hold Fast or something to that effect. Um, you might know that the name of our church is Anchored Baptist Church and uh, you could start to see a nautical theme, right? Hold fast, which I'm actually taking from the author of Hebrews. We have this as our sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, Jesus. Okay, so we're talking about Jesus here. And um, yet I'm also encouraging the men to to hold fast, hold fast to their manhood, hold fast to their tribe, hold fast to the vocations uh, that God has placed them in and given to them, and then hold fast to Jesus, our Savior. Okay, so that's kind of the big overall theme. Um, And part of it, too, do this with me. Let's do a little experiment. Um, And and just so you know, it's not totally nautical themed. I'm not forcing the guys to get knuckle tattoos. Not yet, anyway. You know, I want to leave that door open, let the spirit lead. Uh, But, but, but here, do this little thought experiment with me. Think about where you grew up. Maybe maybe you didn't get out much growing up. Maybe it's your household. Maybe it's your hometown. Whatever the case may be. And think about what... I, I don't even want to say a definition of manhood is. Because most people aren't raised in such a way that these things are clearly defined for them, right? Um, just get an image of manhood for me. Okay, so... Picture it, picture it, good. Um, maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's your grandfather. Uh, maybe, you know, it's a it's John Wayne. Maybe it's Sylvester Stallone. I don't know what the case may be. Um, Jean-Claude Van Damme or Steven Seagal are not options. You're not allowed to choose them as your images of manhood. Um, although they did make really bad movies. So uh, picture that initial image, right? And then think about somewhere else that you were at. Maybe as you grew older, uh, maybe it, it seems like it could have been an hour down the road, but it was a totally different culture. How was manhood pictured or defined differently in that new place? I think to some extent, we've probably all experienced this, where we, we think we have a pretty good image of uh, a pretty good definition, working definition of what manhood is, what a man is, how I should or shouldn't act, how I should or shouldn't speak. And then it changes. You know, you, you grow, you develop. Um, well, 
consider it like this then for a minute. Um, our church, depending on what season we're in, we have anywhere between five to seven different languages spoken. And each of those different languages uh, is a pretty, it represents a pretty distinct cultural group. And within those different cultural groups, then we have very differing, uh, very much different definitions and images of what manhood is, who a man is, what a man acts like, how a man speaks, what should be expected of a man. And yet, you know this too, you know this too, that when we get into church, um, most of us want to, uh, for lack of better terms, neuter that image of what a man is, how a man speaks, uh, how a man acts. And I'm not talking about acting unlawfully according to God's word, okay? Just simply saying uh, men carry themselves different in church. And to be honest with you, in a mixed company, that's a really good thing, all right? We should be doing that. Um, and yet, when you get into, for instance, this little ministry that our church has been doing, and right now, just for the younger men in our church, it's, it's, it's interesting how each of them comes into it not wanting to state what it is they actually think about manhood because none of them are actually quite sure what the Bible has to say about manhood. All they know is they need to be good people, right? And so uh, part of the purpose of this ministry is to do just that, to give a definition, to give a foundation, but then also not squelch each of the different cultures, okay? Now, there are some things about other people's culture, especially in our church, that I'm like, doesn't make any sense to me, okay? Dads who were very distant, dads that had multiple families, dads that uh, built into the kids only when they got a little bit older, um, me personally, I was very, very spoiled, and I am very spoiled by my father. Um, I grew up with my dad. Uh, well, I don't know. That sounds like I like he was only growing up when I was. I don't know. You'd have to ask him about that. Um, but my dad really grew me up, and from the time that I was, I don't know, three years old, I was with my dad. I, I love being with my dad, even to this day, and one of the things that I realize is just how spoiled I am. I realize that my dad being a small business owner and employing all men, uh, look, I had so many uh, different kinds of men that that uh, were good examples and bad examples, but all examples of what a man acts like, okay? And um, I loved it. I loved growing up in that environment. I loved seeing... Uh, my dad kind of, in, <laughs> okay, I'm reading a historical uh, fiction series right now uh, by Bernard, what is it, Cornwell? Yeah, Bernard Cornwell, um, the, the Saxon uh, saga, the Saxon series, uh, the Last Kingdom series, you might know it as that. And, um, you know, one of the phrases that's always used is that the person is a gold giver or a ring giver. And, you know, growing up, I think that's really how I saw my dad. He was a guy that... When other men came and worked for him, he was generous with them when they did good work, right? And um, and even when people didn't do good work, he was generous with them. He 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 was always acting in honorable ways, and I was very blessed by watching my dad 
like this. And yet, you know, I get into a, a mixed group of men who have very different experiences than mine. And we're really working not only from from different foundations, but for a lot of the guys, there is no foundation. And so we have to start defining what it is to be a man. And then from there, we want to say what it is to be a good man and, and what we let speak into what it means to be a good man. So then I would move on to what it means to be a Christian man, right? And and this is how we started. It's a it was a five week um, uh, meeting. I guess you could say it's a five week thing that we did. We all got together, and then um, I would ask questions and let the guys just talk it out. And the real point of it was uh, imagine that we were going somewhere, okay? And that's uh, we need a map. To get there, and if we don't have a map, we're never going to make it to the end. We need a map. We need to be able to draw a picture of what our lives as men should look like, so that we know we're on the correct path. And so, the very first week, uh, the very first question is, "How do you want to die? How do you want to die?" And um, it's not okay. Well. Uh, you know, Colonel Mustard in the library with the candlestick. Maybe not that specific. What we're talking about is how do you want your life to look on your last day? And I asked this question of the guys. I had prepared them, and uh, most of them just gave me the most blank stare. Um, And most of them just said, I want to be a good guy. Okay, (laughs) well, if that's your roadmap, I just want to be a good guy. What does each and every stage, each and every age uh, look like from there on out? Well, it's pretty nebulous, right? And, and, and yet this is how most people go through life. Interestingly enough, all of this I, I field tested on Finnegan before I took it to our guys, okay? <laughs> and Finnegan, oh man, bless the kid. He, I asked him, how do you want to die? And the first thing he says to me, well, I would prefer not to get stabbed or shot. Uh, I was like, okay, okay, maybe not that specific, not the form of death, but your last day, what do you want it to look like? I wasn't expecting much from him. And this is what the kid says. I would like to be in a flat, uh, so that's an apartment, or a small house, in a flat or a small house that I own. Um, I would like to be old. I would like to be dying of old age, and I want to be lying on my bed with my wife there, with all of my children there, and I want to have everyone around me when I die. Wow. That was very specific, right? I I want to own my own home. (laughs) I want to have all my family there. And I said, okay, Finn, so let's break this thing down. Let's break it down. Uh, In order to get to that goal, what do you have to do? And he's like, well, if I'm going to have a family, then I need to have a job that I can support a family with. I said, okay, great. What can you do today that will help you get to that goal? Well, I can study because if I study, then I can maybe learn how to get different kinds of jobs. Perfect, Finnegan. That's a great answer. Um, What next? So you want to be married. What do you have to do? Well, and now this is, Finnegan was eight at this point. Well, Dad, I guess I'm going to have to find a wife. (laughs) 
Yes, you're going to have to find a wife, Finnegan. And, and what before that, though? Well, I'm going to have to not be scared to talk to girls. <laughs> That's true. That's true, Finn. So um, you can't be scared to talk to girls. You want to find a wife. That's good. Um, how can you do? What can you do about that tomorrow? And he's like, well, I never like to work with girls at school, but... Um, I know that sometimes I like to get my work done quickly, and so do they. So maybe I should just try to go and talk to one of them and and be a partner with them in some school projects. Great idea, Finnegan. That's a great idea. Um, you can also learn to be nice to girls, right? You can uh, be nice to your sisters in the here and now and learn what it means to be caring and loving towards a girl, right? Yeah, no, I can do that. Okay, perfect, Finn. And then what next, right? And so we went through the whole thing step by step. And then as soon as we got a chance, we we sat down and we drew out like this this journey, right? Through mountains and curvy roads and a river that we had to cross and so on and so forth. And we put marriage on there and we put children on there and we put his death day on there. And, you know... That's going to change for him. This is this is not something that's written in concrete. But you know what it is? It's it's thought. It's thought that Finnegan put into it. And interestingly enough, um, I mean, I guess I'm in the heat of all of that. But I, I don't think, even though it was my question, even though I had that exact kind of answer in mind that I wanted to hear from people, Finnegan answered it way better than I think I could have, and he did a way better job than any of the guys in our ministry could have. And so um, I'm, I'm really excited about that. And yet, I, I laid that out for the guys. I was like, guys, this is my nine-year-old now. He gave these answers. What answers do you really want to give? You want to prepare for your death. So what do you need to do to make that happen? Um, and got some really good answers from the guys. Uh, they started working it out. And um, the next week we went through, okay, what's one thing that you are avoiding doing right now that you have to get done? All right. And then we talked about what's a, what's a problem versus a challenge. A problem being something you can't overcome, a challenge that you have to work to overcome. And then what's something that you can do tomorrow to overcome that challenge? I.e. for Finnegan, it was learning to talk to a girl and not be scared of them. Okay, great idea. I'm still scared to talk to most girls. I live with one that I'm not always scared of, and so that's really great. Um, week three was a good man or good at being a man. And so this is where we define what a man is, what a man does, masculinity and manhood. Is it just a, a gender and sexuality issue? Is it something more inherent than that? And then we talked about these four things, uh, an author by the name of Jack Donovan. Uh, now, he's a pretty controversial guy, not a Christian guy by any stretch of the imagination, but he has what he calls tactical virtues of strength, courage, mastery, and honor. And this was kind of his overview, uh, like a historical overview of, of the concept of manhood. And he laid out these four tactical virtues that each and every culture, a traditional culture, classical culture, would have expected from men. That they had some level of strength, courage, mastery, and honor. And so um, walked through that with the guys and I think that that really resonated with them. 
Because for a lot of the guys uh, that are a part of the ministry, you know, they, they come from traditional cultures that are completely and utterly fragmented by an influx of uh, modernity, post-modernity, uh, technological, uh, a lot of people just say Western thought and life, you know, they get poured into the traditional cultures. And that's not untrue, but honestly, it's just, it's globalism, right? Um, and so you already have fractured communities that have been torn apart by, you know, be it colonialism or whatever the case may be, history, torn apart by history, and then are now being faced with globalism. And um, those traditional cultures get get snuffed out. And so uh, strength, courage, mastery, honor are things that would have been traditionally held to and are still spoken of as though that's what uh, their cultures do and believe and expect, and yet that's not the way their culture lives it out. You know, it's not the way my culture lives it out. And so uh, it, it, those are good. Um, Jack Donovan's work, uh, what's the name of it? Oh my goodness, the way of men. Okay, if you're if you're going to read that book, you need to wear a seatbelt, um, and gird up your loins, put on your clothes for work. But it's a good book, and so if you want to dive into that, uh, yeah, I would suggest it. Um, the next thing that we talked about was defining who your tribe is, which uh, can also seem a little bit nebulous. Um, but we we kind of mixed in a couple of different thoughts. Um, one of the things that we talked about was setting boundaries. That is, who do you define as a part of your tribe? And then as a man, creating a perimeter around that tribe, kind of enacting the strength, courage, mastery, and honor. But then putting on top of that kind of Luther's idea of vocation and what, you know, each and every individual, the different uh, spheres that each and every individual is called to. And so I laid out my spheres, you know, who's, where do I put my boundaries? And then what do I put my perimeter around? So, you know, my first boundary being family, uh, my second boundary being uh, the local church, the church that I am called to shepherd and pastor. Um, and then, you know, whatever comes after that, I, I'm not sure. Uh, the you know, being active in my kid's school, in my neighborhood, in the office, uh, so on and so forth, right? And so um, drawing those different boundaries, but then talking to the guys about creating a perimeter and defending those areas and, and, and not only deciding where it is that you've been called to, where God has placed you, how you can serve and, and serve self-sacrificially in those areas, um, but then also how can you protect those areas? What is your like uh, kind of manly calling in that? And so who is your tribe? And um, interestingly enough, I mean, these are pretty much all guys from traditional cultures. So what is their idea of tribe? Um, that was interesting. Can't get into it now. Got to keep moving. Um, but another resource other than Jack Donovan um, and looking at a lot of tribal cultures throughout the world uh, was a man by the name of Sebastian Younger. Uh, you might know him. He had a documentary called Restrepo. He has a book, um, blanking on the name of it now. It's a really good book. They turned it into a movie with George Clooney about the fishing boats off the coast of, of Massachusetts, I think. Anyway, long story short, maybe it's Maine. <laughs> Woo, I'm really blanking on that one. A Perfect Storm. There it is. Um, Sebastian Younger, his book Tribe, which is very good. 
Um, but then also listening to a lot of Jocko Willink and uh, reading his books about leadership and um, kind of drinking down a lot of different things. And then in the last week, in the last week of it, our conversation revolved around, okay, we've talked about what it is to be a man in the world. And now what does it mean to be a man in the church? Um, and 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. And uh, Ray Ortland, uh, I guess he's a retired pastor now, um, said this, I think it was a TGC article. Uh, the gospel is so comfortable with God's created order that manliness has a vital place. Paul takes all he has taught in 1 Corinthians, the humility of the gospel, sexual integrity, marriage and singleness, personal entitle, uh, entitlements, how to take uh, communion, spiritual gifts, the resurrection. He translates all the theology into this practical summary, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Um, and in that week, we, we throughout the, the time together, and as we continue now, um, we go through Ecclesiastes and Proverbs, and we look at some different biblical images and some different callings upon our life uh, by God from Scripture. Um, but then we also looked at Beowulf, and we looked at some Stoic philosophers, and um, saw, tried to see what lined up with Scripture, and... Um, yeah, that's the men hold fast. I've gone too long. Um, each and every week now, I send out one or two virtues that the men should be, uh, that our young men should be focusing on, and uh, some different guardrails they can put into their life. You know, interestingly enough, when I was at Cedarville, all the rage was very experiential Christianity, very mystical Christianity. And so the whole idea of building virtues into your life. Um, which, you know, a vice is a bad habit. A virtue is a good habit. We could say it like that. Um, it, virtues were no-nos. That was like something very Catholic, very mechanical, um, something not spirit-led, so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, the expectation was then that God the Holy Spirit was uh, not giving you any tools to work with and he was going to mystically deliver you from every sin and from every bad situation and in every hard situation. Um, and biblically, you know, I think that we could very easily see that doesn't hold up. <laughs> um, and yet... Uh, there is room in Scripture for building in those good habits. I mean, Paul teaches this. The Proverbs certainly teach this. Um, we definitely see uh, David needing some of those virtues built into his life um, and, and exhibiting a lot of those virtues too. Um, Ecclesiastes, even in the spite of kind of the... Uh, the emptiness, the... What's the word? The mystery that our life is, uh, and, um, those virtues are encouraged in, in Ecclesiastes as well. And so each and every week we go through, uh, different, uh, virtues that we should be building into our lives. Um, let's see this past week. I think the, the latest one that I did was just discipline, discipline as a virtue to train, prepare, and push yourself with self-control, uh, for the purpose of right actions, is uh, 
and pushing yourself with self-control for the purpose of right actions is necessary for being a good man and for being good at being men. Other people can discipline you like a parent to children. A boss can be upset with you and hold something back from you, but no one can give you discipline to use in daily life except yourself. Um, a man named Jocko Willing says that discipline equals freedom. When you are self-disciplined, you are not enslaved to the world around you, and you have the freedom to do and act in the ways that you know you can and should. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27, that he, disciple, he disciplines himself so that he can faithfully complete the tasks given to him by God. And those are our hold-fast meditations, one of them anyway. And so, yeah, uh, men hold fast. I wanted to give you a glimpse into that. Um, and, uh, you should check out Sebastian Younger's book, Tribe, uh, any Jocko Willings books. Let's just be honest. Uh, remember Jack Donovan, you better wear a seatbelt when you're reading that one. And, uh, you know, Eric Mason has a good book on manhood. Um, well, that's all I got. Uh, actually another book related to manhood that, uh, you could definitely say is loosely related, but I think it's very directly related um, that I read just recently. And I think I talked about in the last podcast was on the road with St. Augustine. Um, And uh, man, just excellent. Absolutely excellent. Augustine actually has a lot to say about manhood and um, his experiences as uh, kind of a feral man. (laughs) And then as a very uh, chaste man. And so, um, that's a really great book to read. Uh, and especially for, you know, the, the parent out there that maybe has a child that wanders to and fro, um, and the encouragement that, that God can still bring that child back and and does bring them back. So that's all I got. Um, thanks for listening. I hope that this wasn't too boring for you. And next time I swear I'll have a co-host of some sort. Uh, until next time, check you later.